Welcome back, my friend. This is Dustin Nemos, and I'm joined this time by Dr. Kirk Elliott, my friend, who's a PhD economist, in case you're, you're not familiar with him yet. And he's going to catch us up on what is happening with the gold and silver market, what's happening with the economy. I know silver and gold have taken kind of a plunge recently. So uh, Dr. Kirk Elliott from Sovereign Advisors, thank you for joining us and thank you for your time. Um, I've been down, I've had surgery, and I'm not as caught up as I should be. What's happening and, and why is silver and gold down? Should we panic? Um, what's going on? Yeah, uh, you know, bottom, bottom line, rule of thumb, um, if nothing has changed in the markets that, would, that have caused the rise to begin with, then don't be concerned when it comes down because it's generally just profit taking. And, and that's what we've got right now. You know, um, us as, as individual investors, you know what, we tend to buy and hold for a little bit longer than like the, the big dogs, the momentum traders, like the, oh, the hedge funds, the George Soros's of the world, right? Because they're dealing with tens of millions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. So when you can buy something and then sell it at a two or 3% gain, it's like you're making a lot of money, right? And so gold and silver have both been going up so rapidly for such a long time that they probably just felt comfortable with, all right, time to lock in some profits. And when you sell as much as some of these big dogs are selling, and I can tell, I can tell by the volume that's in the markets, that these aren't individual traders that are buying and selling because it's too much all at once. And so um, when there's that much excess supply then going back into the market because these people are selling, it drives the price down. It's, it's, a, it's an economics 101 thing. It's supply and demand. And then what do they do? These guys don't want to get out of the markets in a fast growing market. So they'll gobble it up again at the lower prices that they cause and so they just keep multiplying and multiplying. And that's just something that, that you and I can't necessarily do because we're not, we're not dealing with, with millions of dollars on small, minute, you know, little, little amounts that are going. It's kind of like, I imagine it like being the big kid in a small pool. You jump in cannonball and then you splash a lot of water out, but then you charge to put more water back in. And it's almost like there's like a, an arbitrage opportunity there. <laughs> Nobody I mean, that's, knows. that's really what it is. It is like an arbitrage opportunity. And that's what, what they're doing on a, uh, their own weird level that none of us can play in is what are they doing? They're, they're buying low and selling high. They're just doing it more often, sometimes multiple times a year. I mean, or maybe even sometimes multiple times a month. I know some, some people who trade on happy with 15, 20, 30 basis point moves, which is like one third of 1% because they're trading in tens of millions of dollars at a time. It's like, whoa, you just earned $300,000 in like 15 minutes on a 20 basis point move. It's like, they'd be happy to do that. But if I, if I traded on a 15 basis point move, you know, 0.15% of 1%, it's like, all right, well, I'd make like 82 cents. You know, it's like, but when you're dealing with big, big money, this is what happens, Dustin. And, and people get squirrely about it. They think, oh, no, I missed, I missed the boat. Gold is going down. It's like, don't, don't go there. You'll know when gold is going to go down. Why? Because probably interest rates will have peaked. So when interest rates peak and then they start coming down, then there's solid reason why the economy is going to start growing again. 
because you've already been through that cycle and it's gotten really bad, really ugly, some kind of legislative change that, that changes um, the fiscal policy, taxation or monetary policy, and, and then the economy grows. Well, when, when it's strong fundamental growth for the economy, then you know, I'd probably get out of gold at that. But uh, we're, not, we're not anywhere close, not with the debt scenario that we're in, not with the global geopolitical tensions, not with the banks that are just getting shellacked right now because, you know, like, like Chase, um, HSBC, for example, there, there's a few different big, big banks that just got nailed with upwards of $2 trillion with a T of suspicious activity. It's like, what's suspicious? And it's got to be pretty suspicious to add up to $2 trillion. So they, they really don't know where the source of funds or the destination of the funds was. So is it money laundering? Where is it going? What's it doing? But when you're talking trillions, it's possibly going from country to country. And who are the recipients? And so um, HSBC said, yeah, we've known about this investigation for a while. The, the, the fact that it came out from a consortium of investigative news journalists, like what you do, <laughs> that exposed it, um, they said, this isn't news to us. We've been dealing with this for a while, which tells us, all right, they've been dealing with it for a while and they're still not down. This is a big investigation. And so I, I think the banking system is, is possibly going to go through a little bit of, of an upheaval. Um, in fact, earlier, late last week, this is why the stock market went down so much. It was led by the financial sector because these banks were just getting shellacked because of the $2 trillion of suspicious activities. So, interesting. yeah, in a nutshell, you know, you, you've got, nobody knows what to think. And even after um, last night's debate, it's like, hmm, welcome to the circus. <laughs> it's like, who knows what's gonna happen over the next couple of months, but that kind of uncertainty and turbulence will cause gold and silver to go up again because um, that's what it thrives on. You know, I don't know about a debate. I saw President Trump mop the floor with Joe Biden. I don't see much of a debate. However, um, I, I will add that this, this makes me think, you mentioned both the banking sector on a decline and we're talking about gold and silver. When I had uh, had you on before and we had talked about um, uh, Warren Buffett's move, he had pulled money out of the banking sector and put it into the gold sector. Uh, the second largest gold mining company in the world. So, um, you know, the writing could be on the wall for the business investment community that the banks are in trouble and, and maybe it's time to move on. What do you think? I think maybe Warren Buffett knew something that we didn't know yet at that point, but now the news came out, right? I mean, when, when you're dealing yeah. with, with billions and billions and billions of dollars and you're the world's foremost investor, it's like, all right, you're going to know some stuff before everybody else does, and maybe that's why he did it. But the, the key is, there's two sides to that, and we have to watch both sides. A, he got out of the banking sector, but B, what did he go into? Did he just, just sit in cash? Did he go into defense stocks? Did he go into the retail sector? No. He went into gold, which he bashes. Right, he went into gold. So. He's not stupid, right? So he's getting out of banks because he sees trouble. And obviously, he's not going into gold because he sees trouble. He's going into gold because he sees growth. And I think that's something that all of us should, should pay attention to. Um, a, because he probably knows stuff that we don't know. But B, the stuff that we do know is 
we've got way too much debt, it's unsustainable. Oh, that'll cause gold to go up. We've got an interest rate cycle that's about to turn. Oop, that, that'll cause gold to go up. We've got tensions now in the Middle East-ish uh, area between Greece and Turkey. Okay, so a little bit of a weird story about that is you go back to World War I, it started in that same region. And it, this one is a territorial dispute in oil and, you know, oil in the... Yeah, in the waters. Well, yeah, in the, in the offshore waters there. But, but now who are they bringing in? They're bringing in Russia. They're bringing in parts of the, of the Middle East. They're bringing in the European Union to try to solve this mess. I tell you what, if they don't get this figured out, it's real easy for tensions to boil over in that part of the world. And it could end up looking like a World War I scenario. But here's, here's the, the crazy part about World War I is that was the precursor to some really bad stuff. Because in, in World War I, and you're a student of history, Dustin, so you had Germany, big kid on the block. They were like America today, right? They had a, a vibrant arts district. Their stock market was booming. Real estate was booming. They had the world's largest military. They were awesome. And they basically bombed the living poo out of the rest of the world and, and won World War I. Then the Treaty of Versailles came in and said, hey, Germany, <laughs> you got to repay your war debts. And they said, what? We won the war. Why do we have to repay the war debts? Was it because you do? It's an international treaty. You don't have a choice. So they abandoned the gold standard. The, their central bank just started printing the rented mark, which is the precursor to the mark, like there was no tomorrow. And they had millions of percent of inflation every year. And mommies and daddies couldn't afford to feed their babies. And people were being paid in wheelbarrows full of cash. And the only people that were able to survive that were people that had stopped like gold and silver or like vodka or you know whatever i mean that stuff that they could trade back and forth just tangible assets because nobody wanted the currency in fact there's eyewitness stories of people who would be paid in suitcases full of cash they would dump the money out on the ground and keep the suitcase because it was the only thing that was worth anything but then what so then what came next was hitler Hitler came to power during this time of hyperinflation and he campaigned on a, on a campaign promise of hope and change. I mean, truly, that's his exact motto Obama. for hope and change. It's like, hmm, we, where did we heard that one? You know, it's like the, all you had to read is rise and, fall, rise and fall of the Third Reich and come up with that motto. And I think that's what the left probably came up with it. So he was saying, trust me, trust me. I'll get you out of this situation. The, the reason I'm telling this story is because I think we have to be very careful now because we're entering into these turbulent waters and, and we have to have wisdom and discernment. So the next person that says, trust me, I'll get you out of this, whether it's Kamala Harris or, you know, whoever, it's like, don't, don't necessarily believe it because um, it, it, it can turn ugly. See, Hitler, one of the worst maybe the worst dictator ever. Maybe Stalin was worse. I don't know. They're both two really bad guys, but possibly the world's worst dictator ever didn't hold a gun to people's heads and say, vote for me or else. They voted for them out of their own free will because of this hope and change. And they wanted to get out of this hyperinflationary scenario. Well, 
when you've got a whole world that's in debt, that's, that's got this unsustainable debt, and you've got derivatives debt that's in the quadrillions, it's like something is going to burst here probably before we know it. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow or even this year or next year, but when it happens, it's not going to be a slow letting air out of the balloon thing. It's going to be like big. And somebody's going to come to the table and say, trust me, I can fix this. And I'm probably going to say, that's the person you shouldn't trust because it's not that easy to get out of it, right? So, so what can you trust during that time? Just like what they could trust back then. Just like what you can trust in Venezuela today where there's a million percent inflation. It's gold. <laughs> it's gold what got people out of Dodge. It got them over the borders. It, 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 was a, it made it allowable for them to, to feed their families. And um, you know, so in a worst case scenario, that's what, what I would say you should look at. But even as just a regular run of the mill investment, right? It's um, pretty, incredible so i did a research study because people always ask me it's like kirk what's the best investment you can go into it's like so it's like well depends on the time right i mean i i'm firm believer there's no such thing as a bad investment there's just bad timing for investments you know because real estate was great in the 80s and 90s into the 2000s bonds were great in the 80s and 90s um i mean there's a time and a place for everything what wasn't good in the 80s and 90s Gold, <laughs> it was terrible during that time, but now it's fantastic. So I did a study from 2000 until 2020, because that's a 20 year span, obviously. But what it does is it takes in the bull markets and the bear markets and all the swings and gyrations and all these different markets. And it's like, which one is the best? Which one over a span that, because you can make numbers lie. You know, you look at it today and it's like, Oh yeah, the stock market's near an all-time high. That's the best investment you could ever have, right? But or you could say, well, bonds are at an all-time high because interest rates are at an all-time low. That's the best investment you could ever have. It's like those are bubbles. Yeah, you, you don't ever look at something at a pinpoint in time. So over the span, what would you say of the? I just want I just want you to guess. I know I'm putting you on the spot. But it. you've got 30-year bonds, CDs, gold, silver, Dow Jones Industrial Average, and real estate. Which one over the last 20 years has had the best return? Definitely has to be gold. Well, you would definitely be pretty close to right. So <laughs> I, I would say that, you know, if we take the last couple of years with President Trump and all these like record gains and all the hyperinflation and stuff, I, I wouldn't know with that. But I think if you inflation adjusts, I think gold is going to be pretty strong. Okay, so you just brought in two key points. So inflation is the first thing that we have to look at. Because you always have to deduct inflation from any return to get your real rate of return. So over the years, and this is what I did my dissertation. On. I mean, and it's tricky for people, they don't usually know that. No, and, and they, they also don't look at the right measure of inflation. Because the consumer price index is what they look at is understated by a lot. Why is it understated? Because you have to go back to 1996, the Boskin Commission, which was a congressional commission that Clinton put into place, the stated, the stated result was, hey, Boskin Commission, 
figure out a way for us to understate inflation because things like welfare and social security and all this other stuff that's tied to the official rate, we want to save money as, as a government. So it's like understated. Well, wait a second. Clinton was a Democrat. Isn't that the party for the people? You're supposed to take care of the underprivileged, right? And he's trying to scheme a way into housing them. <laughs> so the party of death panels and socialized healthcare, yeah. bad everything for free. So no joke. The, they did it. They figured it out. And so by using, uh, I'll just give you one example because th this is crazy stuff. And and people who are listening to this are going to say, "Holy cow! None of this makes any sense." So. The consumer price index, it's a basket of 30 goods, right? So you might have steak in there or eggs or fish or whatever. And for anything to make sense, you have to have the same things in the basket from time over time over time over time. Well, they, if any of those components got too high, the Boston Commission said, hey, let's do some substitution. Steak is too expensive. It went up 20%. Yeah, put so in spam. Yeah, so let's, let's change it for hamburger, okay? So okay. here's where the magic comes in. Hamburger is 50% less than steak. So in reality, steak went up 20%. They put in hamburger, so they said, ooh, this component of the CPI went down 50%. It's like, no, it didn't. You just put something in there that has no rhyme or reason to anything. And so... This is why it's understated. Well, the, the magic number is how much is it understated? Well, over time, it's about uh, 255%. So if you multiply the, the whatever the official inflation is by 2.55, you'll get your real number. So for example, and- Shadow stats is a good place to learn about this. Perfect. That is such a great place. So we'll take 2012. The inflation was 2.1%. In reality, it was 5.99%. You know, so so the official inflate unofficial inflation over the last 20 years is 5.93%, 6%, let's say. So if everybody watching this, if you're not getting on average 6% a year, or if you're getting 6% a year, you're not getting 6% a year, you're breaking even. You have to go over that. So here's where let's look at. So, so I want to just so that everybody gets that concept completely. If you earned 1% this year, you lost money. For example, if you earned 1% every year for the last five or 10 years, you lost a lot of money. Um, even though you may have gained money and had to pay taxes on it on paper. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've had people tell me, it's like, Kirk, I can't afford market losses. I'm too old. I don't have a long time horizon to recoup losses. I'm just going to sit in cash. It's like, okay. If sitting in cash meant that you made more than 6% a year, that's fine. But cash today is zero. And the interest rates are zero. So if you kept money in cash for 10 years, losing 6% a year, that's what inflation is, you've lost 60% of the value of your portfolio. So if you started with 100 grand in 10 years, it'll be worth 40,000 sitting in cash and not having any market risk. That's a guaranteed loss. So let's, let's look at the, the, these six different things. The 30-year bond, on average, it loses, according to in, with inflation adjustments, it loses 1.84% a year. Well, that stinks, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, why would you lose? Well, so don't go into bonds. CDs, even worse, you're losing 4.2% a year. 
um, real estate, real estate was some of the highest real estate prices ever, right? Um, minus 2.24% a year. Since 2020, you're actually losing on average 2.24% a year. So that leaves gold, silver, and the stock market. The stock market averages 5.57% a year. But remember, inflation is 5.93%. So they're really losing, losing 0.36% a year. That's, that's not okay. Silver averages 9.2% a year. Take out inflation, you're growing by 3.27% a year. And gold averages 8.3% a year, you're actually earning 2.39% a year. So silver was actually the best. Gold is a close second and everything else, the stock market's the only other one that's close to zero. Everything else is a substantial negative. I, I'm surprised because silver is so suppressed even compared to gold that they, they just keep hammering it back down to like 10 bucks sometimes. And now it's, now it's more like a 20. I think the, the new minimum is in because if they I, I think, it 10, I'm borrowing money. <laughs> well, I, I would agree with that. So what you just addressed was volatility. So I looked at that too, because some people don't have the stomach for volatility, right? So which of the investments over 20 years outpaced inflation most of the time? Well, gold is less volatile than silver. So really it, it hit the best for outpacing inflation. 57% of the time, year over year over year, it outpaced inflation. Silver did not. Silver only outpaced inflation 48% of the time. But it's, Same as the stock market. And, and, and yeah, it has bigger gains when it jumps and it's more of a patient kind of volatility thing. And Correct. Correct. Yeah, so, so I wanted to spend a little bit of time today and go over that because this is the one question more than, well, not more than anything. The, the other question I'm asked is, well, who do you think is going to win the election? <laughs> but outside of that is, is the Federal Reserve going to go away? It's like, yeah, it will. I don't know when, but of, of course, nothing. Fiat currencies never last forever, ever. 100% of the time, fiat-based currencies are currencies that are just printed by decree because somebody wants it printed and they go and press the red button on the printing press. These aren't good odds to overcome. 100% of the time, they fail. So therefore, our central banking system will fail at some point. But gold has never gone to zero, ever, ever. There's safety in it, but we're conditioned by the financial news media that, ooh, gold's a commodity, um, ooh, gold is risky, gold is very volatile. With this 20-year research study, I've debunked all of that. It is the second best asset class behind silver, gold is, but it's also the majority of the time, the only asset class in the world that outpaces inflation the majority of the time. So, I think this is important stuff that everybody needs to realize to, yeah. to put their mind at ease if they're looking at the price of gold and silver today and say, ah, is it going down? What have I done? It's like, no, it's going to continue to go. On. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I want to briefly before we end, I want to circle back um, to what you're talking about with the potential for war. Not only do we have what's going on with, with Turkey right now in Greece and, and, I think it may be my opinion here, but they started with the, the lira falling completely and then Erdogan and Turkey kind of needing something to boost the economy. 
they were drilling for offshore oil. I think it was the Mediterranean or Baltic or something. And all of the other countries there were upset about that, including Greece. And they didn't want that because it would affect them. It would affect their, uh, their environmentalism and everything else, the quality of their beaches, the fish, everything could be impacted. So Turkey, um, has been sort of stuck in a position of save the economy and, and my rulership as Erdogan over here, or, uh, you know, start a war, which co- probably could be good for him as well if he c- thinks he could win it, because that could be good for a leader to, to solidify power. So you have to think differently. At the same time, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Azerbaijan, or how do you say it? Azerbaijan, I believe. Azerbaijan and Armenia are having a war, which seems like a proxy war where Armenia is going to bring in Russian missiles to stop Turkey's uh, uh, fighter jets from taking down their stuff. So that is a, a tense situation already that is a, is a hot war right now. And then on top of that, we have uh, what's going on with Taiwan and China. They already took Hong Kong. Uh, Taiwan just issued a law basically saying you have the right to shoot down enemy planes if they invade our airspace for their pilots. So this is a big step. Immediately after that, because there was some, some potential fear from China that we were going to station troops there. Immediately after that, uh, China stages five simultaneous invasion drills for Taiwan at the same time. Like, we're there. We're, like, so close wow. to this on both of these fronts. And, and China is also in, in conflict with India, taking territory from them and digging in new, new uh, uh, borders. So it's, like, a very tense situation over there, not to mention everything that's going on with with the, the you know the the Russian collusion delusion Hillary wanted to nuke them if if Biden gets into power which I don't think is going to happen are we going right back into nuke Russia I mean it, you know it, gold is not a bad place to be right now no it's a, it's a great place to be and um, no matter who wins but after last night when you have such blatant disrespect for the president hey, Biden called him a clown and you said. Hey man, shut oh, up. Man. It's like, what? Who talks to the president like that? Well, they're selling the t-shirt today, the Biden campaign. <laughs> and dude, even Chris Wallace was making fun of Trump. It's like, yeah, Biden, I don't understand anything he's saying either. It's like, what kind of a stinking moderator are you? I mean, it was just bizarre. It was the weird. So with that kind of blatant disrespect, I think ultimately people are going to see through it and, and Trump's going to win. Trump's is going to win. Doesn't mean that we're going to be in a world without chaos. In fact, I think it actually gets worse for a while because people are going to realize, ah, we lost. Now what? Oh, let's bring chaos to the streets to show everybody how mad we are, right? And so I think that's probably what's going to happen. There's a, to some degree, there's a lot of truths that have sort of been suppressed from the mainstream that have to kind of come out now. And the Band-Aid just gets ripped off because they put it off. They kicked it down the road. They've they lied to the people for so long, and now these issues are festering economically, uh, I would say spiritually with some of the terrible corruptions that are going on. Uh, definitely politically, you're seeing the violence in the streets and such. So we have that, and, and um, I, I, I have one final thought just to remind people about Buffett, because I know most people don't know this, but his father was a gold bug, and he's messed around with silver in the past, maybe trying to corner the market. But publicly, he has been attacking gold as a, as a relic, right? As something that's way, you know, worthless and has no value. Suddenly, he's, he's proving himself a hypocrite. Or maybe he's been playing the strategy of, of the long game to, to buy it all up when things are at their worst. 
and now is that time. So um, that was kind of in the back of my head. I wanted to remember to put it out there. But so, so have we missed anything that's happening now that's going to affect uh, that people need to be aware of? No, I think we've, we've covered a lot. You know, the wars and rumors of wars, you know, that always affects turbulence and chaos. Um, just the, the profit taking in gold right now doesn't mean that it's going down. The political mayhem that we're seeing, absolute chaos, that'll cause gold to go up. You know, so all of these are, are not necessarily black swan events because they didn't surprise any of us. They're just happening. But that kind of stuff is the fuel it's the oxygen in the fire that causes gold to go up and so just be at peace as much as you can um if you're on the bubble or on the fence get off of it and buy some gold now because it's not too late it, it's truly not too late in fact we have i think many years of very positive gold growth ahead of us and i would look at this little pullback as, as a positive the, the, the people, they're not even in it yet. I don't think it's too late until the taxi driver says you should buy gold, right? <laughs> exactly right. Consider maybe that it's too late. But um, since the people aren't even in yet, and that's what's really going to hit that um, multiplier effect, I think, in, in terms of value, we're, we're still seeing the early movers starting to take advantage of this. And they're still playing around. But when this happens, no one's going to be, I imagine, profit-taking uh, and driving the price down. When this happens they're going to profit take and realize they lost because it just keeps shooting up and you're going to see these right. bottoms each time on the price. And right now, you know, you're starting to see higher lows and higher highs, but it's really going to, I think, go crazy very soon. Um, that's all I, I had uh, on my list uh, to ask you about. So if that's it, I appreciate your time. Do you have any closing thoughts? No, I mean, pretty much, pretty much just said, it's like, be bold, be courageous. Um, just do, do, do the right thing. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to think outside the box when we've been conditioned for decades to not think outside the box. And so it's like, but boy, if you don't think outside the box right now and go into something like gold, well, then there, I would give pause for concern because you're going to sink with the other Titanics out, out in the ocean. Um, but you don't have to. That's the thing. You don't have to. <laughs> And that's where it takes courage to, to think outside the box. You, you said something about be at peace earlier. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct that just a little bit. Get a piece of gold and then you will be at peace. Sure, exactly. <laughs> and if you, guys, if you are interested in shopping with uh, Sovereign Advisors, which is Kirk's firm, you can buy gold and silver from someone that you can trust to deliver the real thing at fair margins, which I know the margins are, are the, the physical price of silver is a little bit higher than the official price of silver because of what's happening and the prices are diverging and it's getting harder to get and they're playing games. We just saw JP Morgan get busted with these big fines because they're playing games with the pricing. That system is dying and I don't know when it's going to die, but when that happens, you're going to start to see silver just go through the roof like it has in the past when it hit 50 something and then they squashed it back down to 15, I think. Um, so Dr. Kirk Elliott, Sovereign Advisors, thank you. And if anyone wants to, to shop with you, we have a link directly to your website at nemosnewsnetwork.com slash gold. And you can support this channel as well as get some silver and gold for security and hard times. Uh, Kirk Elliott, thank you so much again for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you on the next one.